You're listening to the Avenue Church Podcast. Our desire is that this message will inspire you to encounter Jesus and find a better way to do life. For more info and to connect with us, visit us online at theavenuechurch.com. Thanks for listening. We've been in the book of Malachi, and I know for some of you it seems like for at least a year, but it really hadn't been. And we go verse by verse through different passages, and Malachi was what I chose right now. And the reason I chose it is because I think the people in Malachi's time that he was writing to are very much like you and me, very much like our generation. The book was written 400 years before Jesus came to the earth at Christmas. When Jesus came to the earth, he was bringing a new covenant. And before that, there were 400, words, 400 years of silence, and this was the last word that God spoke to his people to prepare them. Now, the people at this time had been following God, Jehovah God, for about 2,000 years. And God had a covenant. It was called the Old Covenant. And the Old Covenant was based on, if you do these things, then I will bless. If you follow the law, then I will bless. That was the Old Covenant. And for 2,000 years, the children of Israel had failed to keep that old covenant. I mean, they went through a pattern all the time. They would get on their own, do what was right in their own eyes, and then oppression and, and persecution would come. So they'd bow their knee to God, and they'd get back on track, and God would bless them until a generation later, and they would forget again. And so the children of Israel had come back out of captivity. They'd come back to Jerusalem. They'd built the temple. They were doing what they thought was all the ifs, but God still wasn't blessing them. And so they had reached a point in this pilgrimage that they thought, why are we serving God? God is not for us. God is not blessing us. We have prayed for the other nations to get their foot off our neck and God hadn't answered. We've prayed for God to bless us. So we're not literally starving to death, but we're still starving to death. And they're looking at the other nations around them that are totally ungodly and don't follow God whatsoever, and they're wealthy. And so the people were disillusioned with God. They weren't just disillusioned, they were angry. In their opinion, God wasn't keeping his side of the bargain. And so God spoke. God spoke through the messenger Malachi. And the first thing he says, I think it's so important. The first thing he says in chapter one is, I love you. I love you. Now, they responded like many of you would respond. Really? You love us? Really? Because I don't see it is what they're thinking. I don't see it. We're doing all these things we're supposed to do, but we're not better off. And so God, being a loving father, sits down and he kind of calls a family meeting together. He says, first of all, I want you to know I'm a good father and I love you. I love you. And then he begins to point out the things in their life, the rules that they're not following, the areas of their life that they are failing, the areas of their life that they're giving lip service to. But I love the fact that before he lays the rules on them, he puts the relationship in proper perspective. Because rules without relationship equals rebellion. Rules without relationship equals rebellion, but rules with relationship equals security. When I was thinking about this, I thought about, I started in youth ministry when I was 18 years old. By the time I was 20, I was taking groups of 50 or 60 young people, 13 to 18, sometimes 19, down to places like inner city New Orleans. 
a dangerous place. I don't know what those parents were thinking. They just must not love their kids. But anyway, they send them with me. And so we had these rules. Now, I thought to myself, why in the world would a group of teenagers do anything a 21-year-old youth minister said? And it wasn't because I had the authority. It wasn't because I had the position. It's because I had the relationship. They knew I loved them. They knew I cared for them. And they followed those rules because the relationship they had with me, they didn't, want to dis- they didn't care about the rules. They didn't want to disappoint their youth minister, their friend. And so that's why they followed. When we are in relationship with God, we don't mind following his rules. Now, that's up to a point, right? Because all of us get tired of rules at one time or another. Any of you as a kid ever run away from home? Your parents love you, right? Your parents care for you. But sometimes you've just had enough, am I right? And you say, I'm out of here. I'm gone. And when you're little, you know, you run away to the backyard. You know, you take your blanket, you know, your Twinkie, and you hit the backyard. About, you know, two hours later, if that long, you're back in the house. When you're a teenager, it may go a little further than that because you're tired of the rules. Most cases, not all. What happens when you run away from home? Your parents pursue you, right? My mom used to ask questions like, What are you going to do for food? Hadn't thought of that. You know out here when it gets dark, there's no nightlight. I'm back in. I'm done. I am back in. Even though my parents prayed that horrible, scary prayer, that was better than being in the dark. And so that's what happens. Pursue. So God is looking at us and saying, listen, I know you don't want to follow the rules. And some of you have quit following the rules. Some of you already stopped following the rules. You stopped reading your Bible. You stopped praying. You stopped serving. And in fact, where we're going to pick up today, you spoke harshly against God. And so before we get into that, I want you to see what he says at the top of chapter three. The top of chapter three, he says, I will send my messenger who will prepare the way before me. Then suddenly the Lord you are seeking will come to his temple. The messenger of the covenant whom you desire will come. Now, let me break that down for you just a minute. I will send my messenger who will prepare the way before me. Remember, this is the last word spoken to the children of Israel before Jesus. He says, I will send my messenger. A man named John the baptizer came and he's in the wilderness. He's proclaiming the way of the Lord. He's saying, prepare for the Lamb of God. Now, don't forget, he said me, which means God in flesh, will come into the temple as Lord and he will set up the covenant you desire. What covenant did they desire? It's the covenant we're under. See, today we no longer have to follow the rules. We no longer have to be under the law. We no longer have to do all, anything out of obedience because we have the mercy of God that shines in our hearts. We have the grace of God. Jesus took the old model and said, listen, for 2,000 years, I've proved that you can't follow it. For 2,000 years, I've proved you're not good enough. You're never going to succeed. You cannot do the things that God needs you to do to be in relationship. And so I'm going to give myself for you so you can now be in relationship. And then with that relationship, we do the things that God wants to do out of that love that he has for us. I want you to see so hard, so much what the Lord does for us. So those of you that are angry with God, those of you that have walked away, you realize that God pursues you? 
every step of the way. The wonderful thing about a loving father, just like your earthly father hopefully pursued you if you ran away, your heavenly father pursues you when you run away. When you go and you take that step, here's the incredible thing. Because he's pursuing you, no matter how far you get away from him, he's one step back. One step back. You may be so far out there, you think you're 100 miles away from God, but God has pursued you with so much love that when you turn to him, he will come to you. He says, return to me and I will return to you. The Lord God does not change. I will always pursue you. Even though you turn away, I will pursue you. I will always come after you. Folks, God never changes. Isn't that exciting? He never changes. So I have a question for many of you out here. Some of you out here today, you disagree with God on some things. And you spoke harshly. If you disagree with God, who do you think needs to change? God says, I'm not gonna change. So if you disagree with God today, you really need to spend some time figuring out what you need to do because God says, I'm never gonna change. I'm gonna stay the way that I am forever and ever and ever. I want you to see that so much. And then as soon as he says that, he starts talking about giving. In Malachi chapter three, some of you have only heard this passage as it relates to giving. But there's so much more to it. Giving is such a small part. And I struggle so much when we talk about giving because I think people get caught up in what we call prosperity gospel. Prosperity gospel is something only alive in the United States because this doesn't preach anywhere else. You go to the streets of Africa, you go to Thailand, you go down to South America, you can't preach, give to God and you'll be, fit, spirit, you'll be blessed financially. You can't preach that. You can't preach, give $10 and God will give you 100 and you're gonna live a wealthy life and you're gonna have everything you want. That's prosperity gospel. Listen, if you're giving to God to get something from him, God, didn't, God doesn't bless people because they give. God blesses you so you can give. And so I want you to get that really right in your mind. And once again, we give to God not to get back from him, but to show him that we trust him, to show him that we love him, to show him that we trust that he's gonna take care of our physical needs. That's what that's about. But it goes on. And that's not where we need to stop because giving is such a small part. You see, a lot of you will tell me, I don't agree with giving. And I'm like, okay. Well, once again, God doesn't change. God never changes. He says, I'm gonna stay the same forever. And so you can disagree with God all you want. He is not gonna change. The problem with our generation, the problem with us today is we've tried to redefine God. We want God in our image. And God says, I never change. And so because God doesn't change, we try to change him by focusing on one of his attributes. Great example. God is love. No argument about it. God is love. That is true. And we can lift that up. God is love and God loves all people. And it doesn't matter where you are or what you do. God loves you and God is a God of love and he would never cause you pain. He would never allow you to suffer. He would never send you to a hell. There's no way any of that can happen because God is love. And we want to create this God that loves everybody, but we want to forget that there's a holiness and justice in God. We want to forget that there's the judgment of God. The same God that rained down fire in the Old Testament is the same God today that he doesn't rain down fire. Why? Because of the grace and mercy of Jesus. But folks, the grace and mercy of Jesus doesn't apply unless we accept him as Lord and Savior. 
I want you to hear this so clearly because we misunderstand when we take one attribute of God and neglect the other, we don't have the full picture of God. We love talking about the grace of God and it is an amazing thing. But God is also truth. And those two things have to go together. You can't center on grace and try to excuse everything in your life when God says it's not gonna work. You've spoken harshly against me. In some translations, it says you have been critical of me. In other translations, it says you've criticized me sharply. See, these people are angry at God. And they have said it this way. It's futile to serve God. What do we gain by carrying out his requirements and going about like mourners before the Lord Almighty? This is what they're saying. It's doing us no good to serve God. And then they look and they say, evildoers are prospering. They put God to the test and get away with it. So they're angry. They're saying, why should we serve God? God didn't do anything for us. How many of you said the same thing? Oh, I would never say that. I'd never say that out loud. Psalms 139 says, the Lord knows our thoughts before they're on our tongue. So how many of you have thought that? On the 20th year of September 11th, how many of you remember back thinking, where was God? Why did God allow that? Why has God allowed tragedy in your life? Why has God done these things? Why has God allowed the sorrow that you are facing today? If God is good, why doesn't he change it? And some of you have talked critically about God or thought critically about God and been upset with God and said things. What does God do when you speak harshly toward him? He pursues you. You speak harshly to me, I run the other way. You speak harshly to God and he absorbs it and he comes after you still. And so I want you to hear today, you have spoken harshly against God, but God still loves you. And he still pursues you. And he is still calling you to something greater than you can ever be by yourself. The Israelites were going through the motions of religion. They were showing up on the weekend. They were giving a little to God. But God apparently wouldn't do anything for them. They weren't being blessed. We've all felt this way. Some of you have been serving in the past and you've been burnt. Somebody said something critical. Do you know, I read an article, 1,500 preachers, pastors, are getting out of the ministry every month. 1,500. Now, these people felt called to serve God and because of the things in the world and the things in their life and the things going on, they just said, I'm done, I'm burnt out. And you know what? There's a lot of you today listening. And you're right there. You're in that same category. One time you were serving in the children's area, but you got tired. And the church took you for granted. Or somebody said something mean to you. There was a time that you were greeting at the door, but you thought to yourself, it doesn't matter if I show up or not. I'm just holding the door. Somebody else can hold this door. I don't want to get up early. And you stopped serving. You got tired. You got burnt out. And you said, what good does it do me to serve God? I'm not getting anything out of this. So you stopped. And some of you today, just be honest. You're barely hanging on to your faith. And you just came today because somebody begged you. 
or you're listening online today because somebody's been on your case to listen to this message. And you're like, you know what? I'm barely hanging on. I'm barely hanging on. So here's the question. Why'd you lose your faith? Why are you on the verge of losing your faith? Is it possibly you're a skeptic and you've grown past Sunday school answers? See, I, I meet a lot of people who their faith never grew past the third and fourth grade. And the simple answers that we give our children don't work in your life. The simple answers that we tell our children when you're facing pain, when you're facing hurt, when you're facing sorrow, saying God loves you is not enough. And your faith has never grown beyond that childhood experience and it is not enough to carry you today. And so you gave it up. Or maybe it's science. You got educated. And science means things have to be proven. You can't prove God. You can't see him. You can't taste him. You can't test him. It's hard to believe in an invisible God. Even more than that, it's hard to believe in somebody came back from the dead. So maybe you just got too smart and you gave up. You gave up your faith. Or maybe you prayed and you prayed and you prayed and God didn't come through. You prayed for your marriage to last for your children. You needed that marriage to last because you wanted your children to grow up in this home with a mom and dad and they walked out. Or maybe you prayed for that loved one to be healed and you meant it with all your heart and you believed it with everything in you and you watched them die a horrible death. Maybe life's just been hard for you. And you've prayed for God to take that addiction away and it just keeps coming back over and over and over. And the more you pray, the deeper you sink. And you just reached a point and you said, I give up. But let's be honest. I believe that most of you gave up your faith because it became inconvenient. Your faith became inconvenient. Because your faith is calling for you to do something you do not want to do. And just like when you were a small child and your parent asked you to do something you didn't want to do, you had one last resort, and that was to do what? Run away. And so you've done that with God. Because he's asked you to do something you don't want to do. It's inconvenient. I talk to people so many times and I hear the reasons for why they don't believe in God anymore. But then I get to the root of it and it's they don't believe in God anymore because it was too inconvenient to follow God. I watched one of my children make a decision in their life that God didn't agree with. And so for a season of time, he gave up God. Because he didn't believe in God? No. Because it's inconvenient. So let's be honest with ourselves about why we've given up our faith. Let's be honest with ourselves that we don't want God interfering with our life. And it's not so much that we don't believe, it's we don't want him. So what do we do? No matter what reason you're struggling with your faith, I want you to hear me. This is the place for you. Hear me. This is a safe place for you today no matter where you are in your walk. You may be on the verge of giving up. You may have never accepted Christ. You may have a ton of questions. We're not afraid of them. 
And we're not going to give you Sunday school answers. Because we believe that it's okay to belong before you believe. So you may say, you know what, I just don't get all of this. I don't know if I'm in on this or not. I can't sell out completely on a guy coming back from the dead. It's hard for me to believe in this invisible God. Good, come on. And you can serve and you can connect and you can be part of it. Do you know why we allow that? Jesus allowed it. Let me blow your mind. The first followers didn't believe in Jesus. <laughs> For three years, they followed this man around and they didn't believe in him. Then they started to believe in him and he died. So they stopped believing in him. Then he came back from the grave and they started believing again. Listen, whatever journey you're on is not as crazy as theirs. So you're welcome here. Come and ask the questions. Now, what about those of you that are faithful? I mean, you know, my heart is to preach to those of you that are not. But God sees the faithful. And God has a passage in this chapter, and I love it. Listen, 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 listen. If you're one of those faithful, and you think God's not coming through, or, you know, there's nothing in it for me. If you're one of those people, listen to this. Those who feared the Lord talked with each other, and the Lord listened and heard. A scroll of remembrance was written in the presence concerning those who feared the Lord and honored his name. He says, on the day when I act, you will be my treasured possession. I'll spare you. Just as a father has compassion and spares the son that serves him. And you will see the distinction between the righteous and the wicked, between those who serve God and those who do not. We can be a treasure to God. We're not getting anything out of it. We can be a treasure to God. God can look down at you and feel love and honor and hope and be a treasure. And then one day, I'm afraid we'll see the difference between the righteous and the unrighteous. And, and I want you to hear me. I don't look forward to that day. I don't look forward to it. People say, oh, I can't wait for the day of the Lord. I can wait. Because there's going to be a lot of people that haven't crossed that line of faith. Are you faithful? Are you a treasure? How do you know? Well, he told us in Malachi. Are you serving? Are you serving inside your church? Whatever church you go to, are you serving? Are you sitting? Are you worshiping? Are you watching? Are you praying? Are you having conversations with God? Are you caring for others? Are you in your community trying to care for people that are going through hard times? Are you giving? Easiest test in the world. And it keeps coming to that. For those of you that are giving, I want you to understand what happens with that. First of all, I'm able to do what I do because you give. About 60 people on staff are able to do what they do because you give. We're able to pour into our community in ways that are um, unimaginable. We even get to affect people around the world. A couple years ago, I had the opportunity to go to Lima, Peru. And because of your gifts, 
Alan Rogers, our CR pastor, was able to go down and start a Celebrate Recovery in Peru that has over 100 people that attend every week. I was able to meet that pastor and see his vision and his heart for his country. And when the pandemic hit and the avenue soared financially because we had an opportunity to be online and you watched me from your living room in your underwear eating Cheetos... But the faithful kept giving. In fact, our our budget increased because you kept giving. Because you did that, we were able to send money to them and save their church because they couldn't give online. And they couldn't meet. You kept a church open in Peru because of your gifts. Are you a treasure? You think you're not a treasure to that pastor? I want you to hear his own words. Hello, dear friend from... The Avenue Church. My name is Pastor Guillermo Aguayo, and I want to thank you. Thank you guys, and thank you, Pastor David, for all the support you have given us in Lima, Peru, at La Casa del Padre, through Pastor Alan and uh, Celebrating Recovery. Thank you, thank you, thank you very much for all your generosity and all your support. We are expanding the kingdom of God with your help here in Lima, Peru. God bless you. Thanks for joining us today. Our hope is that this message inspires you to encounter Jesus and find a better way to do life. We'd love to hear from you and get you connected on your journey. Visit theavenuechurch.com slash connect to get started. To hear the latest from us, don't forget to subscribe. See you soon.